0: Why should you two put your heads together and make an ass out of yourselves, huh? You are listening to Aftershock with Steve Grillo. Come on, dude. Really? Yeah. What's up, everybody? You are listening to another episode of Aftershock, a very special episode today. I'm here with my co-host. The very lovely, beautiful, and big-breasted Stacy Pressman. Oh,
1: uh, thank you, Steve. For the compliment.
0: They're wonderful breasts. I love them.
1: They're, they're breasts. I work on them every day with my uh, push-ups and my machines at the gym and yoga.
0: And uh, are you doing Kegel exercises?
1: No, that's pretty fucked up that area.
0: Oh, is it? Why <laughs> it's all banged up?
1: No, it's not used and it's very tight. But it doesn't... oh, so you don't have to do <laughs> it there. It's already
0: <laughs> tight. What do you worry about? It's like
1: I need to be able to expand it when needed. Anyway, that's another.
0: It's like, it's like it's like having sex with you. It's like the wedding night. Every time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Without the blood.
0: Yeah, okay. And uh, <laughs> we're joined here in the studio today with a very, very special guest, comedic, comedic legend, Mr. Jeffrey Gurian.
1: Woo, Jeffrey Gurian. Hey,
0: guys. Uh, Jeffrey is, uh, I, I guess, a jack of all trades, as my grandfather would like to call it. He's not, uh, I've known He's Jeffrey. Jeff of all trades. Jeff <laughs> of all trades. I like that even better. <laughs> uh, I've known Jeffrey for a good part of 20-something years from uh, uh, our uh, very interesting nights out on the town at different parties and Mm -hmm. events, which Jeffrey gets into every single one of them. (laughs) You know, I I only get into a couple every once in a while by, like, you know, a special person that would get me in, but Jeff said every single one.
1: Yeah. How does that even happen? I don't know. I think I met you years ago as well, like, in passing, not Mm -hmm. well. Then I met you in comedy again, and we always end up in... And then parties... A lot of social social events. A lot of social events. The one thing I've I've
0: always noticed out of every party I've ever been to you with... Is that everybody like loves you, <laughs> like you are such a well loved and respected person in this business?
2: That's so kind of you to say.
0: Yes. Yeah. Thank well, it's much. the I truth because really... was, I was like, when we stand in the room, and because you know your hair is always like perfect, <laughs> and you always have some type of interesting look going on, and it's like you're the guy in the room that everybody goes, "Who the hell is that? That guy is somebody."
2: <laughs> Did you see? I, I, I actually have a video, and it's called "Who the Fuck is Jeffrey Gurian?" Because I yeah, that <laughs> That's reaction. Funny. Nick Kroll and John Mullaney and, and, and Mark Marin, they said such funny stuff about me. Yeah, and I know. I know that. It, and it's a crazy video. And Marin opens it up and he says, You know, uh, people for 50 years have been saying the same thing. Who the fuck is that guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and John Mullaney did it at, at Just for Laughs Festival. He was talking to the entire industry. I wasn't even in the room. Oh, wow. I was, I was outside at, at another, I was shooting interviews on the red carpet. And somebody sent me the video that Mulaney is on the stage and he's he, he's the MC, and everybody in the industry is there in Montreal. It's the biggest comedy festival yeah. in the world. And he says, you know, I dream of the day when I'm walking through a hotel lobby and there's a picture there uh, and Andy Kindler is in the picture and the picture is taken by Jeffrey Kurian. Because <laughs> yeah. And if you don't know who Jeffrey Gooden is, if you see somebody you say, who the fuck is that? That's Jeffrey Gooden. I bet you they all yeah. laugh too. All, uh, oh, we got tremendous applause, it. and everybody laughed. And then and probably
0: when people see you, they go, oh, that makes complete and, sense. And,
2: and somebody sent that to me, so I put that in the video. Oh, that's video awesome. Because it strikes me funny that uh, that everybody has something funny to say. But it's very kind. It's yeah. very nice. And I, I, I'm, I'm a people person. I love people, and I appreciate it's so It's so wonderful to be in the comedy world and the yes. comedy community. It's a very close knit community. Yeah,
1: it's very close. And we all know each other. We all support each other for the most part. People that like each other, you know. Yeah, and
2: being on with you two guys today is so fun because I know you both really well for a long time. So yeah, it's just yeah. such a cool thing. You
0: know, what? I was happy that you know that I asked you because you were so like in, like quick to respond. Yes, I was like. That's a pretty big thing for me to have you on my show, and I really do appreciate that, especially at this stage of the game, because we we we'll, we we'll, we haven't got anything up yet. We're still like we got four shows in the can, and today we should be able to put up on iTunes and everything uh, our very first show, but. Um, You have so much to promote. I'm going to make sure that you're our second show so people can, because you have a big comedy show you're promoting. You also have a book you're promoting. But well, we're going to get to all that because we definitely have an hour and I didn't start the clock like an idiot. Um, so just to keep uh, track of what we're doing, uh, Keith, I'm sure you can get a handle on that, right?
2: But I'll yeah. tell you something. Okay. In, in, in reference to what you just said, thanking me i i consider it an honor anytime anyone invites you to be anywhere whether it's a show mm-hmm. or uh, like at a show in a club or in a bar or on their podcast or their radio show anytime i mean there's a billion people in the world so anytime someone thinks enough of you to ask you to come on to me that's an honor and i would always say yes if i'm free so i thank you for that I, cool. well, you're, well you're
0: very welcome so did everybody have a good weekend absolutely yeah what, what'd you do stacy
1: can't remember any of it. No, I can't. I know
0: it was good, but I can't. Remember. I can't remember. Of oh, course, I was I, I was shows. loaded, but I, I you I, don't have that I just any problem. Have
1: shows all the time. Yeah, just I running around from show to show and just exhausted.
0: Well, did uh, you work with anybody big this weekend?
1: Yeah, myself. No, I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, just I don't know. I did something with Mandy Statmiller the other day. Like just. I, I, I just, I don't know, the, the comics that are big, and you know this, like, the, some of them were small, or just, you know, when I started, so I just see them as, a, you know, cohorts. hmm Yeah. Cohorts, that's the right word? Yeah. Yes. So, um yeah, so I basically just do what I do, and I, I hopefully get paid most of the time. So. That's
0: cool. It's hard to be a stand-up <laughs> and actually get paid. It, yeah, it sure is, is. It's such even a crazy in the city business. even
1: to get a little this is true even to get like passed at a at a decent room in the city and get paid on the weekends it's very hard
0: mm-hmm. and, so, absolutely and, and you know have what no i idea. have I, no know, idea I, i'm not a i'm not a stand up comic but i do consider myself kind of funny but you know i'm not I I am not afraid to get in front of a microphone in front of a. You group did of my people. show that year. Yeah, it was just a, it, it there was a, yeah. The, the worst thing is don't ever do a show with a bunch of comics because nobody's fucking laughing. Well, <laughs> yeah. you, you need to do it. Yeah. You need to do like like. That's why open night mic s- open night mic suck. because it takes away all your confidence. B- right. Because everybody there is either trying to remember what they're saying or they're in direct competition with you and they're not going to laugh because you know you could you know steal a spot from them somewhere else. But right. that wasn't yeah. an open mic. No no, but it was a lot of comics. <laughs> no, I put you. I put, I put you
1: on a show that you probably were nervous
0: to do. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't exactly nervous, it but I did, it? I oh, was the first I... time that I really went up and did any type of stand up. So I don't you know what fine. I'm, yeah, I yeah but uh, you know I didn't I, I was saying jokes and it just was like crickets you know I was like so after the show I was just like you know what uh, I'll stick <laughs> to other things
2: very but, often open mics are like a bunch of bitter comics who are just like they won't give it up for you but like you said they're thinking about their own material they're nervous they're new you don't yeah. get like a really established comics oh they're just fucking mics. assholes. <laughs> but but it's important <laughs> to be there to have them I've, I guess I've worked out so much material at open mics in the early days. That's what that's they what you have. Yeah, Nobody's you. booking you on a show and you don't have experience, so you have to do open yeah. mics. Yeah, And it's kind of paying your dues. It's, it's kind hard. of the thing that every comedian
0: has to do. Yeah, right. well, I know because they they won't let you just jump in front of the line. You no. can't
1: because even, no, even if you're no producer is going to
0: p- put you on.
1: I mean, even if you're a celebrity, but if you it, it's you know they have if they're not funny, like if you're a celebrity that's starting comedy, like now, let's say, and you're being not something very big. It's really still really hard, you know. I well, think
2: I'll, 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 you know, I'll tell you a story. I don't know if he was kidding or not, but I was with Gad Elmaleh about oh, a, a week ago. The guy they called the the French Jerry. Oh Seinfeld. yeah, not,
1: doesn't Harrison Greenham open for him? Or very he often, right, he right, does, yes. yeah.
2: And he he recently sold out uh, uh, Madison uh, Radio right. City. Yeah,
1: and then he also. Did and the, I was
2: with him. And he was with in that the too. Beacon for a while. And he says that when he stops into clubs, very often. They don't put him up right away yet. They They don't know who he is, really. He has to wait. And he's become so well known. I mean, it's so strange for me. But not amongst
1: Americans though. He's
2: very well known in Europe and he's got a new show on Netflix. It's called Huge in France. Because he said it's a very strange feeling when you're very famous in one place and then you go someplace yeah, and I'm, nobody knows
0: you. I'm huge in Cleveland. Yeah,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's hard. I'm very
2: well it's known very throughout hard. every room of my apartment. That's yeah. right. exactly. My entire family knows me personally. Yeah. But not,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's hard if you're an international. Like to get into the international market, I believe it's really hard. You have to really work it you know, uh, do little things in bigger clubs, and then eventually people will know you. But he obviously he's selling out Radio City Music, so he's doing something, right? Look,
2: even Russell Peters. Russell Peters sells out stadiums all over the world. He made $21 million last year, right? And there are still people who don't know his name. You can I, say, do you know, know Russell Peters, and they don't know who it is. They don't
1: know who is I don't. I don't. Yeah, see? And I, I don't might know his see material, him, but, but I know who he is. He's one of the favorite. top
2: five earning comedians and performs literally all over the world. And and it's amazing, and you could say his name to people, and they don't know. And he's got a TV show now on one of the cable networks.
0: Right. See, I don't know. He, he's I'm...
2: Indian born in Canada. Okay. And he has no accent, but he imitates every single accent. Oh, that's and hysterical. He's just, and he's hilarious, and he gets a multi-ethnic audience. I call him the Messiah of comedy because he brings people together from all over the world, and everybody's laughing at themselves and at each other. And it's an amazing experience, but it's just it just goes to show you how famous you could be or how successful, and then people still don't know well, who you are. I, I blame
1: I, that on management too. Like your manager needs to put you in places where people know you, like outside of stand up. So either it be radio or well, he
0: sold that Madison Square Garden. He did I was something there right. For Twenty thousand people. I never heard of uh, say up until like maybe a month and a half ago, Sebastian Man- Maniscalco, and he out They just sold that. My Four. mother. You know, my mother
1: goes. Do you know Sebastian Manas Gigalco? Yeah, my mother, who's eighty three, I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I met him once in L. A. and he's very nice. And before he's a big star, but he was very funny. And she's like, Yeah, my my the neighbors know him. Like the whole he's like a
0: beast on stage. Yeah, but
1: how would it's my eighty three ma- year old mother know right. him? And like she Well,
0: uh, eventually everybody got to figure out what about dice. You know, like if you if you're that hot and controversial, uh, you can't not find your name. No, but he's but. not.
1: It's like weird how people are in the not really in the mainstream, but certain. Cl- clunk. Well,
2: and also because he doesn't do t- TV. I, I, I don't think he's he been in movies there, yet. Yeah. yeah, but but he's not known for that. He's known for his stand up. That's
1: amazing. And his physicality
2: amazing. is amazing. You know, Chris Mazzilli handles him.
1: Yeah, and,
2: uh, um, at Gotham,
0: which is why he performs there when he's in town.
1: Matt Arise opens for him. I think. Pardon me? Matt, Joe, Joe Matt Arise opens Oh, really? For him. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's been nobody in
0: I wonder you, but you guys, are, so I don't understand like the darker side of the world of stand up comedy. And, you know, the hot spot always seems to be where everybody goes is the comedy cellar. And and it seems like there's that such a revolving group of comics that, but they only use like one group. Like, why can't say you have like you know you got you got around you got you done sets you've done your own. Well, shows. I'm past
1: everywhere, but they, I just haven't. I don't know how to. Is 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 it, is it no, like so, is not a not lot
0: of nepotism me. that goes um, on behind that? I or? haven't
1: approached it yet. They are. That's maybe half me, half not really. I don't feel. I I have almost enough credits, but not quite enough. I'm like it's a phenomenon.
2: Middle. You have to you have to audition for a woman named Esty S.D. Adoram, who was the legendary booker of the club for like 30 years. Okay. And it's just always been, you know, it's an iconic club. So most comics don't get a chance to perform there. Most comics feel, feel awkward even. Like, you right. can't just audition. First of all, someone has to suggest you in order to even get an audition. And,
1: those, and their spots and, are coveted, too. So even right, even and it has who, to be right. one
2: of the people who perform there already has to suggest you. And I guess, and then you go up in front of Esty, and people I know who've done it, many of them say that they're really nervous when they go up in front
0: of even though they performed yeah. in all kinds of clubs, and they're,
1: and they're great comics. They have TV credits. They're well yeah, known. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because like uh,
0: one of the per- people that are performing on at your show is Shulie Edgar, who I've known years from years in the past from the Howard Stern Show, who's one of the nicest human beings. And an I ex- love Sh- He got yeah, me a gig in Minnesota. Yeah. extremely funny person. Shulie. But, like, I remember a couple years ago, he was having a hard time trying to get, you know, down on there. And I, I, I still I haven't seen him I don't down know, there. I don't
1: think he's there, no.
0: I don't A lot of people, honest, it's a very small
1: group of people that are there. Like, I can like probably list them if you need. to. I'm not yeah, gonna start doing not, that, but yeah. You know
2: what? I don't judge people by whether they perform at the cellar, but if they do, I know that obviously that they're really good because you can't get in there unless. Not
1: necessarily. Yeah, you have a big following or you're a celebrity.
0: Yeah. What's yeah. uh? What's the pay like that? Well, what the same you pay, pay
1: I get it uh, when I get paid at another club.
0: Like, yeah. but say so just say if, like, Artie Lang decides he was. Thing. Uh, but but if Artie Lang just decides to jump in. Chris into Rock, that,
1: Artie Lang. Seinfeld. I
2: think some of them don't even
1: take it's like money. A, it's like $125 or t- to, uh, 100 yeah. something on the weekends or whatever. It's not... You're making such a killing. Well, I guess Andy if you club jump from four friend, different clubs it's in not, one night. It's like around what, what I think I would... Uh, I don't want to get pay scales out, but a club that we work at...
2: Yeah, probably... It's, it's, it's the same it's exact. She to does what most the same clubs. Thing. Yeah. It's not extra pay. It's not more prestige of saying that you work at the comedy cellar. But now they've taken over the whole block. They have the Village Underground,
0: the Fat Black
2: Pussycat.
1: and then you know, a lot of them. Yeah, I
0: went to to a (laughs) Michael Che show. Uh, I guess um, it was Michael Che and then uh, Sherrod Small were doing something. Yeah, it was their birthday
2: show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, It was was, fun. It was great
0: because uh, Michael Che hangs out someplace. He's friends with all. He's friends with my roommate and stuff because they all hang out in the same area. And then we all went down to see Che. And then I know Sherrod Small from when he. He lived on the block down from the Italian. Re- you remember Restaurant Brunelli? You might have Seventy Fifth mm. in New York. It was a lot. It was a big. Seventy Fifth. Uh, I do remember. Yeah. Yeah. 75 75, so uh, when uh, Rachel and Sherrod were both like just coming up and c- they were up and coming, I didn't they, know they, they lived down the block. There. They, they, well, they really? well they lived down the block and they, uh, the owner, Russ Brunelli, used to you know give them you know dinner for nothing because they were just you know they were kids there struggling. Was a, there you know? was
2: a time when I was hanging out there for a while, but I don't remember. I them think I remember you
1: from there.
2: From Brunelli. Yes.
1: Brunelli's. Yeah. yeah.
0: Were they doing comedy? Yeah, they did do comedy and it, it it's not good they to were do new. it's it's not due to. I I it's a lesson learned. Uh open my comedy in an Italian restaurant that has a mafia background. Not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> it, it ended You with, better be funny, and, I'll tell you It that. ended with uh, a comic insulting one of the guys' girlfriends oh. and um there was a firearm involved and luckily no one no one died oh. but uh that was the end of the comedy. I've restaurant. heard a lot <laughs> of
2: stories <laughs> like that. I well for, Luckily for me, I don't do crowd work, and I don't pick on people, and I don't no. do shit like that. Yeah. You have to be so careful what you say. I've heard of a lot of uh, things like stories going way back where a comic got his jaw broken <gasps> for saying yeah. something to the wrong guy out in Vegas. And I heard they're... stories like that. I'm oh, surprised yeah, yeah. Don, Don Rickle never got rolled. <laughs> The, the, he, he may have been one of the people that got threatened at some point. Well, yeah, he, I mean, Sennacher really backing him up, but. Yeah, you can't make fun of certain people. They don't have a good sense of humor. About yeah.
1: and they them. don't come to comedy shows. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Well, yeah, well, I remember my father, my parents went to Vegas when I was a kid, and they went to go see Don Rickles. And every time someone got up to go to the bathroom, Don would rip him apart. And my father literally crawled on his hands and knees to the bathroom <laughs> so, he so he wouldn't get. noticed. would yeah, hysterical. Cause, yeah, because he's definitely not someone who could get picked on. He's some very, people are... very, very sensitive, man.
1: I hate when people don't come to clubs, like, don't put me in the front. I don't want to get picked on. I'm like, oh, don't flatter yourself. You yeah.
2: Know? yeah. <laughs> well, some comics are really cruel. You
1: could be. I've been cruel. Say. You've seen me be cruel. Oh I'm,
2: yeah. You know she's vicious. Mood, yeah. I've yeah, oh, yeah. worked
1: with. If I'm yeah. in a mood, I'll be vicious. If I'm not, I won't.
2: Yeah. It was cool that we've done shows. Together.
1: We went. We went really on the nice. road. Jeffri- Jeffrey and I. We went to Binghamton together and performed this big club called the Music Box or whatever it was called. The Touch of Texas. <laughs> so
2: I don't. Yeah. Yeah. With that. It
1: was fun. It was like we drove like four hours each way. It was crazy. We but it was the,
2: nice having company. We had a
1: great time. It Was real. Road. I mean, we did the real road. Like, it was yeah. Deep road, I guess Yeah, like. and
2: it was really nice.
1: We had it a great was, time. It was a,
2: a very nice experience because I don't get to do that much. I stay mostly in New York. If it's something special, like, I like the idea, but I don't. I'm not the kind of I don't travel easily. Let's put right. It that right. I'm getting
1: like that, Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah. I'm not
0: did you? No, did you fly or did you drive? No, we drove. We drove
1: like we four drove. hours to Binghamton and yeah. back the same night. Wait,
0: did so, someone drive you or Jeffrey drove? Oh, well, you I drove. drove. Okay. I With like me, driving in the I
1: passenger like... seat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, was I I'm surprised you didn't drive Up the side of the road. <laughs> I like driving. I always get a good seat. We had a yeah, but four hours in the car with Stacy, Jesus Christ! No, we, well, had, we had a lot of-, lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. No,
1: it was fun. I never get to work with people I like. Like I, I haven't really got a chance to work with people I like generally. So it's like hard to deal with.
0: Yeah, and it was so nice. We had a chance to chat. Yeah, and we, we just, really just we had shitty food
1: and we had a yeah. great
0: time. <laughs> what else can you find on the way to Bingham? Nothing. That's why I, I, I get excited because we had to drive to Canada, um, like maybe two months ago, and I found a Roy Rogers. That's and I wicked. was like, it was like, to me, it was like, oh, my God, that was like the best fried chicken Tim growing Roy up. Like, and uh, so, like, I was excited. Like, the worst thing you could possibly have is fried chicken on a road trip. Was- <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it's just like, and I, I, I found out that Roy Rogers is going to be making a comeback.
1: Oh good. I didn't even know they went away. Yeah. I don't well, eat meat. meat. Well <laughs> that I was a problem at Touch of Texas. I well I'm just
0: saying that like fried chicken's one of my favorite foods. So like growing up, Roy Rogers was the best fried chicken Did you could like possibly get so, I don't know. I thought Popeyes a isn't bad. Place. I hate KFC. What? I
2: thought Rogers was a hamburger place.
0: I don't even know. Oh th-
1: yeah. They, no, they used to be on the road. They used to be in all the um
0: rest, like stop rest stops. Yeah, but that's now rough. they have
1: fancy stuff. They have Starbucks, they have like salad places. You know, in the yeah, rest stops, people, stop
0: people were getting constipated on road trips. That's they were why. getting fat <laughs> as well. They were getting. <laughs> they get to their destination and they couldn't shit for three days. No, you
1: can find healthy options now on the road. Yeah, and vegan, especially
0: options. In, in airports now too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, and airports like it's it's like well, it's about time. It's very I mean, expensive when yo. Oh, Jesus Christ! Of course it is, because you're a captive yeah. audience.
1: If you buy, if you have to buy a breakfast in airports, fifteen dollars unless you go to McDonald's. Oh,
0: easy. Well, all food in airports is very expensive.
1: Because you're stuck there.
2: Such a ripoff. Yeah, because they know you can't go anywhere else. Right. I, and I've
0: exactly. been stuck on layovers for nine. Uh, the worst one was nine hours. Really? You know, and oh, I was there, for, and I, that, was the, that was the amount of layover time. I was there on two hours before, so it was like a was 11 me hours. Me too.
2: I had that experience. I was coming home from the Just for Laughs Festival in Montreal, and I flew, I shouldn't say the airline, it rhymes with Melter. <laughs> 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 it was horrible. Ha- it, it, absolutely a, horrible. Really? Well, we got there, it says three hours before for an international flight. So the flight was supposed to take off at 3. So I got there at 12, and we didn't get a plane till 7 p.m. But it's
1: like a one hour flight.
2: Exactly. Yeah. What happened? And something, something happened to the plane that we were supposed Ugh. to have, and they couldn't get another plane. And they, when I checked in, they said, hey, I'm sorry, but there'll be a 14-minute delay. And I thought to myself, a 14? Who even says that? Who apologized for a 14-minute delay? I mean, you know, that's nothing. Well, how do you so know how I accurate it said, said, it's going to be? Well, after that 14-minute delay, once I got through security— about every 15 or 20 minutes, I got another text on my phone. I'm sorry, it's another half hour, another wow. half hour, another half hour. Finally, they went out, and they went all out, and they gave us sodas, cans of soda, Ooh. and oh. cookies to make up for the seven-hour delay. They gave
1: diabetes. They yeah.
2: didn't get a plan until 7 o'clock, and I didn't get home till about 11 o'clock that night from being in the airport at, at uh, noon for a one-and-a-half-hour flight. So I, I really complained and they gave me some kind of uh, voucher for the future like yeah oh thank yeah, you yeah, like uh, yeah a you free know. bag of peanuts but but you have to do it on delta again and I'm like I don't know that I want to use you guys cuz you know what I think they should have been able to accommodate people better. You shouldn't have to wait seven hours for a plane. No, they should be able to get. Another well, you could plane have drove to. to my, yeah, yeah. I yeah. would
1: drive to my. It's much. It takes easier about to drive. six hours. It's, it's not a bad. It's a nice drive. You go upstate. Driving upstate is beautiful as long as no storms. And then you have your car with you, and you can get around. And the par- I don't have the parking is I forgot how it's, it was.
2: It's not great in Montreal. I, I mean, I've been going for more than twenty five years. I go. Every you might want to drive. And every, every year I say I'm not going, and every sh- year you I should go. drive
1: next time because it's much nicer. And then you have your control of your car, and then you don't have to wait for the stupid airline because you have to I still guess, get from the airport I- to, to your house too. That's a whole other.
2: Yeah, hey, well, that's all. I just take a car service. I don't mind. But I had great interviews this year. You know, every year in Montreal, they have the Just for Laughs Awards. So Tiffany Haddish got the award for oh, Comedy wow. Person of the Year. Yeah, she's doing great. Yeah, oh, her career blew up. I mean, ever since she did Girls Trip. And I know her since before she was f- known at all. Right, you
1: know. I was supposed to do a tour with her way a, few, back. a few years ago, before she anyone really knew her. They were putting us on a tour, like all these dirty, crazy comics together. She's
2: so funny. Yeah, and she, What a personality. So she got the award from Kevin Hart. Oh, And then, and then uh, Joe Coy got, I think, Breakout Comedy uh, Star of the Year. And okay. And L- Lil Rel got Stand-Up Comedian of the Year. Oh, wow. And got this new just, show, Just Rel. to show
0: you how big that she is, it's like I just picked... I went to Google and hit T-I-F-F-A, and her name came up right yeah, away. Right
2: she's
0: away. The newest. Yeah, she's so she's definitely uh, all over she's the place. She's
2: huge. She's kind of breaking we, out. She gave me the greatest interview, and the longest hug. People are, like, shocked. She's like, Jeffrey, you know me from the beginning.
1: People know and you forever, so, and then they become so, stars. so fucking hot
2: as hell. <laughs> yeah, she's great, and she was wearing this beautiful dress. She said she looked like Jessica Rabbit, but she she's gorgeous. Than I think Rabbit. she's beautiful. Yeah, and so I it, like was, her, it was her an her amazing... Every year up in Montreal is incredible, but this year was really spectacular. Yeah, I even got an interview with Howie Mandel. Oh, cool. You must know him, though. I know him, yeah. yeah. Dave Chappelle, too, who came over. How is he doing? He's doing great. He's, oh, he was doing a show with John Mayer, Okay. which is very interesting. Because John Mayer is like a seven-time he's, Grammy he's Award
1: winner. He's very good winner. friends with Sharad. Sharad, yeah, yeah, I yeah. know. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He almost
0: ruined the night. We were out with the, the girls and went down to see me and my friend double dated. Kind of went down to see Sharad. Kind of uh, double uh, dated. What's
1: yeah, that? Yeah,
0: well, it was, I hate saying the word, so when I say it, I'm hesitant. But I
1: mean, she wasn't really your date. You no,
0: didn't... it was my so we, wife oh. and someone oh, else. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, in that case, <laughs> it was it was Russ and his girlfriend, and all of a sudden, right before Sharad comes in, we has got a special guest. It's his first time doing comedy. Everybody, please be nice to him. It was John May. And all of a sudden, the girls who were like not interested in anything going on, all of a sudden were interested and they were sitting yeah, there drooling. Him. Yeah, Did he do comedy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so knows. then, at, he's, the, he's at, funny. The, at, at the end of the show, you know, I, he left, and then Shroud the went on, and then Shrod the was waiting outside for me, and goes, "Come on, you want to go up and meet John Mayer?" I, I looked at the girls, and I went, "No, that's okay. <laughs> I know his reputation. I was like, I, I, I don't want to feel that because they were just drooling, staring at him. Yeah, I was like, no, exactly. no. Was,
1: I, yeah, he's all right.
0: Well, he did. Yeah, a great... if you saw him in person, you'd be like, Ugh. I wouldn't. Why do you would
1: think would. that? Why? Of course,
0: everybody does. You know, it's funny because some people like you see them on TV and you go, oh, they're kind of good looking, but then you see them in person,
1: and they're better looking. Like, but
0: you know what? He's
2: very humble too. I just did." I just did Sherrod's podcast this week, uh, Race Wars. I yeah. love and, that podcast. And he yeah. had a guy on who runs a male escort service.
1: Which, oh, Garen, that guy. Yeah, Garen, oh, I know yeah. that guy, yeah. And
2: he's really handsome, but he's so humble. And that makes all the difference he's in the married, world. He's married, too. You, yeah, he's married. But you can meet people sometimes that are very beautiful, you know, women that are very beautiful or men that are very handsome, which there are much less of than women that are beautiful. Right. But yeah. it's always <laughs> very appealing when people don't take credit for their genetics. You know, some people try to take credit for their genetics. It's a roll of the dice. No, it's You get true. what you get. Well,
1: some guys work s- at it. They, tr- they eat well. Well, you can
2: work do. out and you can improve yourself. But some people are just genetically or handsome. Yeah, they're yeah, genetically... Yeah. Like My ex-husband Lest, super- never very genetically Lest.
1: handsome when I was, met him at 25. He was like... Who was that? Modeled. Tim? Tim. He oh, was, was like... He, had, he used to model when he was like 25 years old. I didn't know that. He didn't model now, but... Yeah. Uh, Aging doesn't work well for some people, but (laughs) uh, genetics didn't work, but he was very, like, he looked like a woman almost. I mean, mean, I'm a lesbian, but um, (laughs) he had, like, he looked like Hilary Swank, but, like, and he had, Tim who? you, my, my ex-husband. Oh, really? Okay. And uh, so, but his generic he, he was so like he didn't even realize he was good-looking.
2: Well, these guys are like Chippendales dancers. Yeah, they're, they're muscular, like ripped, and they're like six-two, and they're fucking.
1: See, I don't crazy. like that type. I, I, I don't. I don't, had. I, don't, a, I, don't, I mean, that's why I want a schlub, but I don't like. Thank God, that. not
2: everybody likes them. Yeah, exactly. No men would ever I would anybody. get any <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no men would ever get anybody. But they're, the point they're was stimulating just that, they're that way humble. too. Right. That's a very appealing thing well, when somebody doesn't like. Some people—they're actually obnoxious insecure. About those, looks. Men. those men,
1: those men—they can't.
2: Well, and so are beautiful models. Yeah,
1: they're very because they them.
2: went through a time when they weren't so hot. Or
1: they people, went through an
2: awkward stage. Or
1: people only value them for their their beauty, and they feel if they look bad one day that they have no value. I've seen a lot of women like that. Right,
2: and they, they don't develop other avenues of their personality. Or because they weren't of taught that. to. Yeah, they weren't taught to because they get everything from their looks.
0: Right. Yeah, or yeah, they, they grew up and like like just because they were that good looking, everybody bowed down to them. Oh, mm-hmm. she's pretty. She gets a pass. Or yeah, he, exactly. He's, he's right. So they. Uh, my weird experience was like you know, I'm, I'm a straight guy, but I, you, you know, I've, I've matured into the fact that I can say another man is a handsome man. Oh, thank man. God! Oh, right. It doesn't take <laughs> anything away from. Yeah. You no, 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 that. no. I'm yeah, just saying. But say, like yeah, when, right. when you're 24, 25, and you're just oh yeah, especially not growing up and everything that, that you know, if you saw someone that was like handsome, you'd be like oh, well, you wouldn't think it because you were just scared. And then well, you're, you're Italian. you can't Do that. I'm half Irish, half embarrassed. Oh yeah. So I always saw like it was. Like you know the best you know what was it the uh, people's best you know good best good looking guy in the world or whatever they have that uh, category and one year it was JFK Jr. and I looked at him and I'm like how is he they people think that that's good looking I didn't understand and then he came up as a surprise guest on on Howard Show and I had to sit in the room with him in the back before because he was like you know a mystery guest mm-hmm. so and when he walked in I went. Oh my god, he's so handsome. Really? Like it was like it's like he filled yeah, the he room. He filled the room like and I I was looking at it in a magazine, I couldn't see it or it understand. Was flat.
1: It was a flat beauty. Yeah, but then the when energy. you saw him
0: in person, it was like yeah, he, had he was tall and presents. handsome, great hair. He yeah, had like yeah. and he was so kind and gentle, you know, and mm-hmm. he was so like courteous and stuff. It was like I and I sat there going, I understand now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like right. or someone present. looks
1: great flat and then in real life they don't come out that they're kinda like, uh, like, I'm, uh, I'm
2: I, screwed either I, way. Online I dating met him, is like that. I met him a few times because he was... Uh he was a big fan of this theater group called the Naked Angels.
1: Oh, I remember them. You remember Naked yes. Angels? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh
2: Sarah Jessica Parker, and Matthew, Ethan Proud, Marissa Tomei. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ethan Hawke. Sure. That's that's how I first met. I Ethan think I did Ethan tell Hawk. you
1: them years and years ago.
2: And uh, and JFK Jr. used to come to their events, and I met him a couple of times. And the nicest guy.
0: I I literally down the block, across the street. We're in Times Square at Pro Media, uh, and down the block on 50th Street. Uh, I used to bartend at a hotel there and there was a big window and right across the street uh, is where George magazine used to be and oh, wow. you used to see JFK cuz oh, he was, yeah, that was he always walked magazine. he took a he always bike, he wasn't yeah he took subway. a bike so you always saw him and he always seemed to like be very nice to the bartender that was there and he always waved to her and my friend Dorinda was one of the last people to see him alive. Really, Dorinda Medley, from The mm-hmm. Real Housewives. No, no, that oh. no, was just another. I don't even know what happened okay. to her. The bartender. But, uh, yeah, she was a bartender there, and he. She goes J, like she like I come in. She goes JFK Jr., wave to me again, and then he waved to her as he got in the taxi to go to the airport.
1: Oh. She
0: so she. She was one of the last people to see him alive.
1: That's so sad. You know yeah. how
0: many people have died on those small planes. I'm like,
1: don't fly never fly yourself. Yeah, I mean, who, who. who, who?
0: Because you get an so ego. I can people, fly a plane. What do I need to call so for? People are so
2: bored. Uh, why are people flying? I I small too, planes. It's bad. My well, place up in
0: Wurzburg? There's a, li- a big plane. There's a Wurzburg airport, and they have. People the are always crashing. Well, no, in Knockwood, no one has. But but you know, like the growing up at the campground, the, the guy who had the trailer next to me had a pilot's license and used to take us up all the time, and I I thought it was thrilling and awesome, but you really
1: those planes suck too. Like
0: yeah, those little planes. Did you see them? Always hear all those stories
2: going back to so many rock and rollers. Have died in small planes and their Cessnas. Getting
0: from one set, uh, you know,
1: one they overdo. They overpack them with their luggage and their equipment because they're yeah, trying and to there's get too
0: them. Too much weight. Oh yeah. The, well, how about Randy Rhodes? They they woke up half in the bag and went in the plane and tried to scare Ozzy and hit the house and that's how they all died. Really? Yeah. They they were they were partying all night and Ozzy passed out and Randy Rhodes and they were driving- Ozzy's assistant. And the, the pilot who owned the house said, they were still like, you know, you're, you're kind of drunk, but you don't think you are, but you really are. They said, come on, let's, I got an idea. Let's wake up. We'll, we'll wake up Ozzy. We'll buzz the house. And they got up, and he buzzed the house too close, and the plane crashed, crashed uh, into or, the or house? The, well, it hit the it house, the flipped house. over, and crashed next to the house. Wow. So Ozzy woke up, and there he was, his I best would've... friend burnt, and his assistant, burning to death. Wow. Oh my uh, God. Yeah, crazy, crazy thing. No one done that. Yeah, no. Oh, well, I read, I'm a big Aussie a fan, joke. so I've read a lot his book. of people book. get killed playing jokes, too,
2: practical jokes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't you get pranked by them? Some I was, I was reading, you got pranked by uh, what, Kroll or something?
2: Well, that's, yeah, yeah, I got pranked by Nick Kroll and John Mulaney. But that well, was, kind of, yeah, well, I was the first to be pranked with too much tuna. That's their thing. That's what they had, the Broadway show, Oh Hello. It's a a silly sketch that went viral. It's got 750,000 views already. They brought me out to L.A. to be on Kroll Show, and they didn't tell me what we were going to do. They said, we're going to do some sketches. and So it's a a diner sketch, and they're dressed as the two old men, the Oh Hello Boys, you know, Gil Faison and George St. Geeklin. Oh, that's just
1: so funny. You know, like
2: these uh, old Upper West Side guys. They
1: they got them so perfect, too. Yeah,
2: and while you're there, they prank you with a tuna sandwich that's about a foot high. They give you, and so, uh, but there's no preparation. It's, it's just improv. So they bring out the tuna sandwich and they threaten me. They say, We're going to bring out too much tuna. And I'm like, Well, let's just see what happens, right? Uh, you can't threaten me with tuna fish. I like tuna fish. Yeah. And they bring me this huge tuna sandwich. Oh, God. And they expect me to react. And I'm like, No, this is fine. This is how I like my tuna. I said, There's too much fruit salad and there's too many potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The tuna is perfect. And, the, and John Mullaney's like, No, we're pranking you there's cameras all around and I'm not, I'm not looking. I am not looking. And they said, no, you're on camera. You're in a prank show called Too Much Tuna and we're pranking you. And I say, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, they liked it. It went viral. And I thought I made a mistake. Did I thought you eat the I, tuna? I, yeah, I was ate it. it I, I picked it up. You can see it online. It's on was it my, good? My, it was delicious. Who
1: makes the tuna?
2: They had so much tuna there. Who makes their tuna for Everybody, I don't know, but they had tons of a, it. That's a door prize. In case you had to do a, a lot of takes, they had tons of tuna ready. When they did it on Broadway, uh-huh. they had tons of tuna, and I wound up giving the tuna fish sandwich to Judd Apatow.
1: Oh, that's so cute. They
2: did it in Montreal you know, at Just for Laughs about two years ago, and they had me come out. They made me a special jacket. Are you familiar with Curtis Lewa and the Guardian Angels? Yes. Uh, yes of I grew of up in Canarsie, of course I am. Okay, so Curtis Lewa <laughs> was a very dear friend of mine for many years, but they didn't know that. They referenced Curtis Lewa in their show, Oh Hello. They made me a jacket, an exact replica of the Guardian Angels. Oh, uh, I love it. But mine says Gurian Angels. Ah! Nice. And they got two models to wear Gurian Angels T-shirts, and they had me open the show for them on Broadway. And we did it in Montreal as well, and it was it was hilarious. So they gave me this thing, and I refused to be pranked. And I thought I did something wrong because they only did two takes. Right. And I was afraid to ask. And then I said, "Listen, did I mess that up? Is that why you only did two takes?" I'm like, no, we really like what you did. That's why we only did two takes. Oh, that's, that's so cool. cool. They keep
1: doing it over and over. Yeah,
2: they again. only did it twice, but they were shooting other things. And I saw they
0: kept doing it over and over and over again. And with me, only twice. So uh, let's talk about your comedy club. Your, your comedy show you got coming up there. It's a big show. Oh, it's a really big, big show. Are and you it's doing a show? Great,
2: yeah, This coming Monday, I was asked, you know, about a week ago, I was on Page Six with Jerry Seinfeld, and it was a funny story because I was supposed to go up uh, at Westside Comedy oh, Club. okay. And uh, my spot was 8.30. Uh-oh.
1: And Did you get bumped?
2: No, I didn't get bumped <laughs> at all. Jerry, Jerry tweeted that he was going to come in around 8.30 and so i just assumed well if he comes in first they'll go on you know and there was a comic who was supposed to go on before me and so when jerry tweets a lot of people come to the club because they know because you know so um so when he walked in i was sitting by the door and i was watching the mc just finish his set and they were ready to announce the first comic and the first comic decided to leave she didn't want to perform so i think she was tired i don't know so she left And so Jerry walks in and shakes hands with me, which he doesn't often do, but he said hello, and we shook hands. And then um, the manager looked at me, and she said, do you want to go up? And he's like, no, I'll wait. And she said, Jeff, you're up. So I went up, and I didn't even have a chance to be nervous, and I knew I was performing with Jerry in the room. Oh, awesome. Every time I cursed, it bothered me because he works clean. Since 1976, he's worked clean. And and I don't I don't talk about ugly stuff, but I use some f bombs. Yeah, uh, well,
0: fuck, fuck him. <laughs> it,
2: <laughs> no, it bothered me because because I, I know him a long time, and I just I don't know. It went well, but it was funny because I. V- very often I talk about the weather and cell phones and texting. Right. And for some reason that night I chose not to do that and I talked about all different things. He goes up, he talks about the weather, cell phones oh, and texting. Well, that was good because you was probably so would have been
0: fucking pissed.
1: Well, I want to shout out to Westside Comedy Club, which is my home club. Yeah, it's and a And Gina great Savage club. and Lori. Absolutely. Summer. That place is busy, man. And Gina's yeah. booker and the manager and the, it's a great place. It's, it's a,
0: a wonderful, wonderful club. You came to see Con- me. Yeah, considering. Oh, Yeah, but we went down there. I saw you and then Sherrod. But you know the place upstairs was jam packed. Oh, playa Bendis. And they
1: give you food. It's
0: always, <laughs> always packed. So, so
2: I got so I got asked to create a uh, a, a new comedy show in a beautiful nightclub on East Fifty Fourth Street called Le Rev. They've never done comedy there before. It's a, it's a it was like a, a disco, but very elegant, like
1: oh cool, very
2: Middle Eastern. They have hookah. Is
1: you there know, a stage?
2: Like yeah, there's a oh, stage. Oh, And and it just it's beautiful. And the food is amazing. So Monday is the grand opening, and I have uh, Corinne Fisher from Guys We Fucked on there, you know, and Aaron Berg from Aaron. Anthony Cumia, I don't know Corinne, Media, but I'm
1: very friendly with Aaron. Anyway. With Aaron, yeah, yeah,
2: Aaron is great, and Chuck Nice.
1: I love Chuck. Chuck's. Too. Well, everybody knows He's Chuck Nice. Uh, uh.
0: And
2: Shuli Agar from the Howard Stern My, my show. boy,
0: I, I'm I'm Hi. I'm I'm Julie. going not only for you because I want to show what I want to show a little the love show? to Shuli. And
2: Dante Nero.
1: Oh, Dante, another good yeah, friend of is mine. At, yeah. right?
2: And the show is at eight o'clock, but we're asking people to get there seven thirty so you can. But I
1: don't uh, have anything booked. I'll order to drinks. By, that would yeah. be
2: awesome to have I would you there. I'd love to come, by, yeah. Yeah, it would be great. I'll put you on the, my special VIP list. Oh, good. Of okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and so I'm really excited about it. It's it's uh, six days away. And Are you going to
1: be doing it weekly or monthly?
2: I hope so, but. I'm focusing on this one first. Right. So far, I have over 100 really high-powered people who have RSVP'd. Oh, that's great. Like, uh, you know, the club holds around 200 people. So we have teams of people out on the street. But I personally have been inviting a lot of very upscale people. I got a lot of industry people. Good, good. And people from the law world and from entertainment and from, uh, like, all different... All
0: right. different places. Based on the love I see everybody give you, you're going to pack the house. He's going to pack it. I hope it. so. I well, hope so. I'm, I hope the I'm club is,
1: it. It, the people that run it are, like, they do a good job.
0: They that's should. That's, they're that's
1: used the still running a club. It's things. not It's not oh. new.
2: I gave them a list of things that they must do. Right. And so I'll be checking throughout the week. That's the issue and, with
1: doing comedy and non-comedy clubs. Yeah. to understand how it right. works.
2: Well, they're giving me, you know, the opportunity. They're, I'm guiding them on good. what they have to have.
1: And if you, you pack know, it in, they'll be like, what?
2: Well, yeah, on. exactly. Yeah. So, you know, they went, we had all kinds of cool stuff printed up, a lot of handouts, great tickets, uh, posters, all kinds of oh, stuff. Oh, great. And um, so I'm hoping for the best. Yeah. I'm very excited. I'll be, I'll be hosting. You know and I'm producing
0: it. So. Well, well, we will both be there. Yeah. Um, we're good. gonna have this show up definitely before I the don't date rolls okay. up.
1: I think I'm open that day, so I yeah, I'm that'll good. be awesome. Maybe yeah. we'll do a show here and then we'll go over. If we
0: can. Yeah. yeah, 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 that'd be great. That'd, that'd be perfect. The, yeah. We can walk over there. Yeah, and uh, again, like we said in the beginning, it's a, he's a Jeffrey of all trades. He has a best selling book on Amazon called Healing Your Heart. By Changing Your Mind, A Spiritual and Humorous Approach to Achieving Happiness. Now, Jeffrey handed me the book and in pure spiritual form. The, <laughs> the first page I open up to like, directly has a correlation to, to what I go through. Okay, read it. Okay. Um, however, there are only a few number of habits people engage in as a response to stress. And if you try and list them, you'll be able to think of a few. But the list is far from endless. You have... Nail biting, eye twitching, fidgeting, hair twisting, picking at your skin, tapping your foot, Mm. smoking, and here's what comes in for me. Drinking alcohol and taking drugs. (laughs) I understand these are addictions and a disease, but some people might place them in a category of stress-related habits. Cutting yourself and clenching and grinding your teeth. Mm -hmm. I said I, I hit one, two, three, four, five.
1: How about, all these things? how about zoning uh, out? And how t- about zoning out, Jeff? Well, yeah, I'm like the point what of happened? what
2: I was writing, I was talking about my stuttering problem. I stuttered very badly until I was in my twenties and way beyond. I stuttered so badly that I couldn't say my name. We I could never say that. Gurian. Yeah. And I developed a cure for stuttering by taking my mind apart, basically. I, my parents had sent me for speech therapy. And no one was able to help me, no speech therapist. To this day, no one knows the, the 100% cure for stuttering or what causes it. And what I, what I I as an avocation, I work with stutterers, and I teach them my technique because I've been given the grace to free myself from the bondage of stuttering. And I worked on myself for years in order to do that. I realized one day that when I was alone, I didn't stutter. I only stuttered when I was trying to talk to somebody else which told me that you can't have a disability based on your location. You know, if a man has a limp, he limps in every room of his house. He can't go into a door <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: uh, into a room, close the door and walk perfectly. Well, the body
1: gets triggered somehow. Well, and because well system. it's a,
2: it's, a, it's a true disability. But when it comes to stuttering, if it's something emotional or psychological, if I can if I can speak perfectly when I'm alone and I only stutter when you're there, it means it's something that i created it's in my mind it's emotional or psychological something nerves yeah. or something. i always
0: right. hated like cuz i'm i'm not that big of a stutterer, but I do stutter in certain situations. But and the worst is when you do that and someone else goes, Uh 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 oh, well, I I stopped stupid. the conversation right there. I said you do that again, I'm gonna fucking smack you. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't I just that's the worst rudest boys. thing that anybody could thing. possibly fucking that. do. It's such
2: a cruel thing. It, only a moron would do that. And there's a world full of morons. Yeah.
1: Or they finish uh, your sentences people yeah.
2: people yeah people That's who, not as bad as someone going, no, Uh 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 right. uh uh No people who make fun of people with a disability you say would you do that to somebody who had like an obvious thing, the
1: limp or something. Who was like
2: missing that. an arm or a leg? Would you just go and make fun of them to their face? No. People are very cruel and they're stupid. They don't think. They think it's funny. They think you're going to laugh. And if you complain, the they say, "Oh, I was just kidding." And I say, "Really? You know, I have a sense of humor. What was the joke? Explain the joke." I love to yeah. put people on the fan. Yeah. when they when they say, that's, "I was just that's kidding." Good. Mm-hmm. I yeah. always say that. Yeah, I have a sense of humor. Yeah, wh- Tell me what the joke was. Who the fuck, I is, didn't who the get fuck it. is laughing?
0: Are you laughing? Because yeah. I'm not laughing.
2: Exactly, exactly. And they can never, you know, I don't even know if you can embarrass people like that, but I try to. I try uh, to. I physically to threaten on them. On them. So, well, <laughs> that that's works a good for way. Me. To do it. Yeah. So, this book, you know, it mentioned that I looked at stuttering as a habit, as a as a, a reaction to stress. And that's why I listed all those other habits because I said, there's only so many habits a human being can have. You can't make up your own habit no. that nobody else has. No. Everyone shares different things. We all react to stress in different ways.
1: Right. You and,
0: got some you great know. reviews here. Dr. Gurian is a matter, a master of so many disciplines, including being brilliant, humorist, The pressure probability uh, caused his own heart attack. He's on my speed dial along with God. Richard Lewis, comedian actor. Yeah, he's the
2: only comedian that I put on the book. And and a very, very nice man. He's a wonderful guy. But the reason, like, it was important to me to put up reviews by MDs, by psychiatrists and psychologists. Right. Because in 1999, I joined a group called the Association for Spirituality and Psychotherapy. And I was honored that they accepted me because I presented my work to them. My background was not that. I was not a clinically trained psychologist. No. I started as a cosmetic dentist, and then I was a professor at NYU in oral medicine and orofacial pain. And I did that for 12 years.
1: Oh, wow. My
0: face is killing me.
2: And Well, I would take away headaches and and physical body pain using just my hands, using energy. Right.
1: We were talking about yeah, that. Yeah.
2: And I... And I Uh, Because I was at NYU for 12 years, they actually allowed me to lecture to the postgraduate doctors on my techniques. A lot of schools aren't open to energy healing, but because they knew me, well, hopefully they are, but because they knew me, they trusted me and they saw that I knew what I was doing and I was helping people. So this book is a compilation of a lifetime of work and thought.
0: It and, says, and it, it's
2: about achieving
0: happiness. I here's review. here's a review. This is an important book to distinguish spirituality from religion and prevents powerful tools we can use for healing, health, and happiness. Dr. Henry Grayson, PhD, founder of the National Institute of Psychotherapies. Yeah, those That's a kind nice of review. reviews
2: are like amazing to me because these people could easily say, hey, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. But they accepted my work, and they, like, one guy, I did a a psychology podcast, I guess. And he said to me, you know, this is my field. He goes, and you're saying everything that we've learned, but you're putting it in different terms. How do you know all this? And a lot of it comes to me intuitively. There are some things that, you know...
1: You're an intuitive healer.
2: Yeah, and and there are some things that people just know. So it's very meaningful that you open the book to a page that meant something to you because that's part of the spiritual approach. Spirituality has nothing to do with religion. Religion can be wonderful for people but it tends to divide us because it puts you into a category and other people are automatically outside of that category if they don't share that religion but spirituality brings us all together as one because all it asks is that you believe in a force greater than yourself
0: the universe i like to call it you could it. call
2: it the universe nature god
0: because I, I i te- i i haven't in a couple of months but i after a really hard time uh in, uh, in my life i i you know i grew up catholic mm-hmm. and you know i left the catholic church a long time ago not left it but you know i just right. i i was Patch, I, I, I i did 12, 12 years of catholic school i, I learned what i thought i could get out of it and then while i was going through a hard time a very important person an old school irish gangster you didn't expect something like this because he has i've been going to church i haven't missed church my whole life and he's in his 80s and he goes, Go go to church. Ask him. He'll give it to you. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know. So I started going to church and it wasn't about just being in the church and doing all the rituals, which is something which is part of what I, I kind of enjoy because it was my past. But it was just that moment I, I can gather my thoughts and focus my energy and thank the universe for all the good things that I have in my life. Mm-hmm. And, it's at that point, when I started going back to church, my life took a very dramatic change and went in for the better really yeah and it's just, it's not like I believe that all the the, the Bible right. readings that they do and stuff it was just I was in a house that it was i went to Z- I you know I go to Xavier Church on sixteenth street, which is mm-hmm. the church is a gorgeous like like museum uh it's artwork it's been there since you know the eighteen hundreds and it's absolutely gorgeous. And just being in that, in that room with all that religious attitude, it just really focused my energy, not on Jesus Christ, but just on the grateful, being grateful to the universe for all the wonderful things I have Christ. in my life. Yes,
2: exactly. And that's such a great thing. Look, I, I'm Jewish, and there are times that I'll go into St. Patrick's Cathedral, and I'll say a prayer, because it has nothing to do with the labels that you put on it. Right, The House I of agree. Worship. And you just feel the connection.
1: When the energy. Yeah,
2: I really, it's, I did feel it. About, it's very odd for someone like me to do it, feel that. You know? Yeah, it's about having a spiritual like connection. I'm an, you're an asshole. Being. You're not an <laughs> asshole.
1: <laughs>
2: but it, it's a spiritual connection. It gives you some kind of roots. It gives you grounding. And it's very important. And as I said, I like that you call it the universe, nature. You could call it God if it's comfortable for you. As long as you know it isn't you that's running your life. Yeah. Because when you think it's up to you to make yourself happy, every time something goes wrong, you blame yourself. And that's a big cause of emotional illness and everyone has a path and sometimes things happen that are terrible and they're just not good there's no way that you could see what's good about it but it had to happen that way you can't only believe when your life is going great that's too easy it's when your life feels like nothing is going right that's when it's really important to be open to these principles They're spiritual principles that say that you have a path and every single thing that happens to you whether it's good or whether it's not so good Is part of your path and that's what brought you here today right now to where we're sitting together Mm -hmm. every single thing in your life had to to lead up to this moment and this is all that's happening you're in the now you know yesterday is gone and who knows what's happening tomorrow this is all we have so staying in the now is very important and these are principles that are important to try to incorporate into your life not easy but that's what my book is about in order to achieve happiness You have to allow yourself to change the way you think. And it's very hard to be objective with your thoughts. Yeah, because if you're intelligent, you tend to believe your thoughts. But each one of us are holding thoughts that are not valid for us.
1: Give me an example of a non-valid thought.
2: Well, if you were bullied as a child, you have negative thoughts. A person might think that they're not good-looking because people made fun of them, even if they changed. There are people who were very heavy as children, who lost a lot of weight, and now they're thin. But when they look in the mirror, they still see heavy. Oh,
1: that was me. Totally.
2: And, and people <laughs> make <laughs> well, fun of them for yet. being that. So they're carrying these negative thoughts that they're still heavy, but they're not. And they function in their life like that. And every, every thought you have, it, it affects your self-esteem and your self-confidence. And every time you have to make a decision... You use your thoughts to figure out what to do. Who else's thoughts can you use? So you think, What should I do? If your thoughts are faulty, your decisions are not gonna work for you. So the idea is and this is very hard, to examine your thoughts objectively. You know, if a person is suffering from anorexia, they could be skeletally thin, but when they look in the mirror they see see heavy and they believe to them it's real. To you, you see them as being very thin, but they see heavy. No,
1: that's I went through that. So so
2: it's like it's like uh, what are the psychosomatic illness? You make it up in your mind, but it's real. You can have psychosomatic pain that is very real.
1: I have that too, as well.
2: So you have to be able to examine your thoughts and see which ones are not working for you and which ones are not How valid. How do you get rid
1: of them, though? I can't. I, my that's brain work. won't stop. Well, Jeffrey, the, like that's, because we're, that's
2: because we're all a little bit OCD and we repeat these same thoughts, and it takes a lot of work. It's not overnight. It literally took me years. I made affirmations. I retrained my mind, I retrained my thinking to, to tell myself that there was no need for me to stutter. And I use stuttering as an example because that's what I conquered personally. But it's really about overcoming obstacles in your life. Every single one of us is given obstacles.
0: I like what you had to say before because it has a lot to do with you know, a problem that I have and this fact that you, uh, your book changed the way other people learned. Like some people learn some way, and some people like I've I've always had to be tricked into learning. Like if if they were have taught school, like, like a uh, dog. No, well if if yeah, they would have taught intrigued? if they, if they were to taught, so you can go and say okay, open your English book up to page five. We're going to talk about pronouns today, and you can read okay, uh, Steve, read the the paragraph about pronouns, and I'll read it out loud, and I won't understand it. But if you sing it in conjunction, junction, what's your function? Like, If you would have sang it to me and made me think of a song, I would have learned it better. So not everybody learns the same way. And your approach is a different way that people can probably pick it up a little. If you didn't learn it this way, then you can read your book, uh, Healing Your Heart by Changing Your Mind, on Amazon, number one bestseller. Uh, to uh, figure out how maybe you can find a different pathway to to learn something that you didn't realize you could. I'm glad you said that because I'm also a problem with learning
2: disabilities. And it's very important to realize, like, when you have learning disabilities, it can make you feel like you're stupid. I know that I'm smart in a lot of things, but there are a lot of things I can't grasp. My mind doesn't work that way. You could say I it have... to me ten times. I can't, It doesn't make sense to me. I have... Literally, no sense of direction. I can go someplace for 10 years, and one day it'll look like I was never there. I won't even recognize anything. Really? And, and, yeah, and learning things, I have to learn in a certain way. I had to learn how I learn. But when you're a kid, you don't know this.
1: You just realize that. teaches you one way.
2: Teachers think that you're dumb.
0: There's there's people that like that I know, like my friend Doctor Dan. He's a doctor when he was like 22 years old, and I watched him study for his liver like exam. And he literally like had all the all the the pages to study for the test. And he looked at it, flipped through, flipped through, flipped through, flipped through, and got like a 98 on the you know on his boards.
2: Some people are just blessed with that. I'll give you an example. When I'm traveling, I know that if I had to make a right turn to get there. I have to make a left turn to come back home. But when I get to that corner, I can't see it. And I have to remind myself, you made a right, you have to make a left, but it doesn't look right doesn't, to me. It doesn't
1: I can't. It's not easy
2: brain. for me. It doesn't register. It's a struggle. It's a cognitive struggle. thing. It's a cognitive thing, exactly. I and had that's that, what uh, this book, too, is. It's all about everything is a cognitive thing. It's about thought. And every thought that you have, you created so any thought you create, you can uncreate. Right, so if different. you're carrying thoughts that are negative, like your subconscious mind does not know the difference between fact and fiction. It believes what you tell it, which is the power behind the power of positive thinking. So if you tell yourself that you're a loser somewhere in your mind, if you believe that about yourself, that's what you manifest in your life. And if you tell yourself that you're a winner, your mind believes you, too. And you'll start to bring positive things into your life. And it's amazing how that works. Right. So that's what I had to do. I had to take what, what must have been an inferiority complex and turn it into a superiority complex, not to feel better than other people, but just to feel even, just right. so I could show up. And that's what allowed me that's to hard. participate. It's very hard. It took years of work.
1: No, it's, it's, Literally I'm going years through that of now. Work.
2: But you yeah. see that it worked. For, I no longer stutter. And every time I'm on stage or on radio or TV or anything, I'm always aware of my voice and I'm listening to myself all the time. And I'm grateful every day, every single day, I'm grateful that I don't have that problem. And you speak wonderfully. Thank you. You don't have any... As a matter
0: of fact... Knock wood to that, Jeff.
2: I just got an audio deal for this book. I was contacted by an audio... The biggest audio company called Tantor. And they read the book and they loved it. And they contacted me and they said they want to do an audible version of the book. And it's so interesting because I wanted to do one, and I didn't know how to go about doing it. And like the universe brought that to me.
0: Yeah, well, uh, and, and the universe brought us together today.
2: Absolutely. So, yeah. uh, so it's Very meaningful.
0: So uh, now, who's your favorite? I see you Yeah, like, right, uh, I know, I, I don't think it's this book, but one of your books, Chris Rock with the forward?
2: Yeah, it was the book on the comic strip, on the history of the comic strip. It was called Laughing Legends. And uh, I suggested to Richie Tinkin, we were in the club Oh this was a while ago. Uh, Aunt Gilbert Gottfried and I were in the club and we were kind of coaching Aunt Curry on how to do stand up. Oh, comedy.
1: I remember that. I do remember, remember that. Yeah. There's a picture
2: in the book of me and Richie Tinkin, who owns the comic strip, who's the guy who discovered Eddie Murphy and Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld and started all like all, all these guys. It's the only club that's still open since 1976. It opened on June 1st of 76. Before that, it was just the improv that opened in 63.
0: This is all in LA, right?
2: No, all in oh, New yeah. York. Oh yeah? Yeah. The the improv was on 44th Street in Times Square. Bud Friedman opened that in 63. And it was the world's first comedy club. There was never a comedy club before, really? never a club that. that was dedicated to comedy. Comedians performed in nightclubs and other venues, but there was no such thing as a comedy club. And when Bud opened it, He opened it as kind of a coffee shop, right?
1: I remember where where performers would come.
2: Performers would come like off Broadway, like after they got off stage, they'd come, they'd sing. Danny Aiello was the bouncer,
1: sort of like Don't Tell Mama does with the singing. In a way, in a way, but that's
2: how Danny Aiello got so interested in comedy because he was the bouncer there, and he was also working on Amtrak in those days. Oh, that's so funny. And uh, and so it wasn't until the end of 1972 that Rick Newman opened Catch a Rising Star. Which was the second comedy club in the city. Actually, Rodney Dangerfield opened Dangerfields in sixty nine with his partner oh,
1: wow. Tony
0: Bivakwe. They're coming up on fifty years.
1: Tony's still
0: there. Wow. Tony's still there. Yeah. I, wow. I you know, I lived in an apartment on sixty fifth and first that was a legendary crash pad for all the comics at Uh, Dangerfields
1: that apartment that I yeah oh you threw
0: up on the uh, wine all over the place yeah (laughs) Yeah, that apartment Um, it had a bathtub (laughs) in the kitchen and it was a six-floor walk-up and um, I I believe uh, I don't know who was there before Dennis Blair
2: I knew Dennis Blair so well when I I was writing for Rodney Rodney was the first big star I ever wrote for and when I was writing for him in 1980 Dennis Blair was his opening act he was there all the time and
0: Scott so maybe you were in that apartment
2: I hope not. Well, Yeah, well, why was there a... who ever thought of putting a bathtub in the kitchen?
0: Well, it was a pre-war I apartment. A I know, no, but that. even in those days in the pre-war
2: apartments, who was, thought uh, that that would be a good idea? No, like, I don't they probably know.
0: had 18 people like no, they was probably, probably a bed at It some was a point. plumbing
1: yeah. issue back then probably. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't I have enough pipes. Yeah.
0: yeah. So uh but when when I when uh, I moved out and there was a bunch of boxes inside the closet, I found two uh two scripts of easy money with handwritten notes on it, really. Yeah, it? I still have one of them.
1: They're probably worth money,
0: probably. No, worth not money. well. I did try to sell one years ago and yeah, and I got like 15 for it, but maybe now you know it was just and it says Universal and it's like Dennis why, Blair. Why and, did you your something?
1: boxes when you moved in?
0: There were boxes left there, I guess, because people left. They were, it was Dennis Blair's and it was Jackie the Joke Man's and it was Stuttering John's and it was Wine and Ganges. Wow, and then they then we got thrown out. <laughs> Who lives <laughs> there now? Oh, I don't know, but um. Uh, it was on sixty fifth between uh, between first and New York. They probably
1: knocked it. Up. They probably redid the whole. Polo. No, because
0: can't. Because it's it's a, a pre war building. They so can't they,
1: move the shower. I, right I don't
0: here? know if they. I I have no idea. It's been so long. But this is crazy. There, there was a coffee table in there that had a glass top to it, and you really couldn't tell. So when I was moving, and I lifted up the glass top, and I sort of caught the, the glare of the sunlight. There were so many chop marks in the glass coffee table. Oh, my God. (laughs) There must have been so much cocaine done in that apartment. I can only imagine. Yeah. But I only saw that once. I
2: was in an apartment that had a bathtub, like one of those old, I don't even know how to describe it, on legs. Yeah. Oh, I like those. And And it would be in... The kitchen, right? That was that. That was and my like, apartment, dude. But, but <laughs> who
0: ever thought? It was a
1: shower. Why would you
2: put? There's no bathroom
0: in there? No, there you was a, a toilet, but the toilet was just in a, like a little closet. It's so little weird. Closet. It's a and weird. Yeah. It's a weird
2: thing to think of. Like when, Be, in those days when people were designing apartments, they said, "Oh, well, we'll put a bathtub
0: in the kitchen." It
1: must have been a plumbing issue. It's the only thing I could think well, of. There was baby, such, no, there was such, hyped, there was such
0: old right. apartments. They were so old, and it was it was the coolest thing. It was my first apartment. I thought it. I would have still been there if I had my way. apartment.
1: I remember being. Yeah.
0: No, it, it was, but you know, it, yeah, you had to come up with techniques on how to take a shower. You know, it was like you get dressed yeah, in, in the shower. You know, like you had to be in the shower to do everything, unless someone you know wasn't home. But you could also take a shower and do your dishes and brush your teeth. I remember at the your same room time. was a
1: mess, and Mike's was really.
0: Mine boring. one, no, it was. Yes,
1: it was. I, I remember a, that. So it was like, <laughs> like a disaster, and Mike's... Oh yeah. Okay. A combination
0: toilet and
2: stove. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you. That <yeah>. was <laughs> oh, the thing. You cook eggs, and then you. Yeah. You
1: brush bed. your teeth <laughs> in the sink. Horrible. Just ridiculous.
0: I can't imagine.
1: Diana's ex-boyfriend had an apartment like that, too. Yeah. Yeah, it was really weird. I
0: loved it. I, you know, it was funny. I was young and in shape, so a six-floor walk-up was no big deal to me. to you in those days. Of course not. Your no. other apartment was in a walk-up, 20s. too. Um, the last one you lived in before. Yeah, the... yeah, but that was just... No, but the last one I was in, that was just two two floors. Oh. Now I got an elevator. Excuse me. Was and, that... a, and a patio. <laughs> yeah, a nice patio. Was that where you were
2: living when you were working on the stern?
0: Yeah, chair? yeah. So and, but, I mean, the, the, uh, the most amazing thing was the, down the block from Scores. Oh yeah. So sure. you know, like you know, Lonnie. Uh, Lonnie, yeah. Yeah, he oh, used I to like call so me Lonnie up and be like, press, sure. "Yeah, yeah." I used to, I used to. He used to call me up and say, "Dinner's on the way. You get down here." You That's know? nice. They were very nice. Yeah.
2: I wonder if he's still involved with scores. He,
0: no, he's at he's at Rick's Cabaret. Oh yeah. And he's he's doing fantastic. How's the are food are in- there? <laughs> I'm sure if Lonnie's involved, he's gonna make sure that the food is excellent. Let's go
1: get dinner. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs>
2: that's a, that's such a great I, that's such a great memory. I haven't thought about him for a long time. Yeah, he's, no, he's doing. Super, he was yeah, a yeah, super nice. Yeah, he had
0: a, he had a little health hiccup, but he bounced back like amazingly. You know, he had a uh, mini stroke and I uh, had an accident in the bathroom. And uh...
2: it's funny because when I was walking down the, it's not funny when I was walking down this street. This is the street I had my heart attack on. In oh my god! 2015. Oh, 2015. Really? <laughs> yeah, in the middle of the it's day. It's been
1: three years already.
2: Two th- yeah, it was December know. 17th of 2015. I was, you know what, and it was a rainy day, but it was pouring. What were your first symptoms? Nothing like what they tell you to expect. It was so crazy. I was, um, I, woke, I, I had an appointment with a chiropractor for the first time going to this particular chiropractor. You
1: already had the appointment? I had
2: the appointment. It was set what? for December oh, 17th. And about an hour before, I was feeling this weird feeling in my chest. Now, to preface it, about a month before, I had this weird sensation. I was, I was walking upstairs and stairs never was a problem for me. But when I got to the third flight of stairs, I felt a little bit out of breath. So I went to the doctor because I never wait with shit like that. And he checked me, did a blood test and an EKG said, you're in perfect shape. You're great. Okay. A month later, the night before I'm at the Sirius XM party and, and uh, it's December 17th. I was at two, three parties the night before dancing. The next day I have this weird feeling in my chest. So I thought to myself, ah, it's raining out. I don't want to go out because I don't like to go out in the rain because of my hair. <laughs> yeah. It sounds very stupid. It, no, no,
0: but his hair is perfectly yeah.
2: But that can done. But that can keep me from going out. But to, thank God. I mean, it, it, it was grace. I didn't I – because didn't, my first instinct was I wanted to get back into bed. Right. And luckily I didn't do that because a lot of people get back in bed and they never get out because yeah. you have oh, a heart wow. attack in bed. Forget about it. So wow. I decided I was going to go. So – I started rubbing my chest and it felt better. And I said, well, you can't really rub away a heart attack. Maybe it's muscular. And if I go to the chiropractor, he'll help me. Right. All right. So I get on the subway and it's getting worse. And I, and I get off the subway right on the st- same place. I got off 53rd and 7th and I was going to walk. I had to walk about six blocks. And it's pouring rain. I got an umbrella, and the pain is getting worse. And for some, I don't know why. It's very for some reason, I heard. It's very pardon se- me, it's a
1: very severe pain.
2: Yeah, but it wasn't like an elephant on your chest. It wasn't like um, I was sweating or nauseous, like they tell, it's they tell you. They tell
0: you it tastes like no, copper or something it, like no, that. No, I didn't or? have
2: any of that. It was like if you ever had a cramp in your calf. Yeah. you know how that hurts? Oh, like, it, uh. like, yeah. like it gets tight. That's what it felt like was happening in my chest. Like my heart was cramping. So, for something made me turn down 50th Street. I don't know what it was. I turned down 50th Street, and I see a a van with four cops in it. And I did my best, like, Jewish thing. I knocked on the window, and I said, I'm sorry to bother you, but I think I'm having a heart attack. And the cop at the window looks at me and goes, well, I think you should go to the hospital. And I'm like, well, that's why I'm telling you. I'm not just telling everyone.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God.
2: (laughs) I thought that they would say jump in, and they put the siren on, and they drive me to the hospital, right? That's not what happened. So he says to me, "Well, we're stuck in traffic, as you can see here. It's probably be faster if you walk." So I said, "Well, where's the nearest hospital?" And he didn't know, and none of the four oh cops knew. God. All four cops, nobody knew where there was. How the hospital about call right me here. an
0: ambulance then?
2: So so uh, so he takes out his phone and he starts looking for hospitals, and he can't find any. And he says to me, "Do you have Google Maps?" I swear. I'm fucking I'm not, having a holiday, you asshole. I'm not embellishing. I'm standing- you were probably I'm, I'm so standing calm at the window. Too. Yes, I was very, very calm for some reason. Holding the umbrella, it's pouring, and he says, you have Google Maps? And I said, no. Put your head up, at the head time, up. I didn't have any. He yeah. said, well, I think you should download Google Maps.
0: Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I
2: swear to God. And that's when I walked away. And as I walk away, uh, and, uh, he yells out- should I call you an ambulance?
0: Yeah, you're an asshole.
2: And I thought to myself, if I say yes, he's going to be, okay, you're an ambulance. Like the, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <joke. laughs> <laughs> Typical <old> <laughs> comic. So I said to him, no, because I, I had said I'm trying to get to a chiropractor. I said, you know what? Don't worry. I'm going to try to get to the doctor. Thanks anyway. But I could only get another half a block because the pain was getting really bad.
0: Oh, my God.
2: So I get to the corner right across from Radio City, and there's another cop, and he's on a walkie-talkie. And I say the same thing to him. I'm sorry to bother you. I think I'm having a heart attack. And he says, well, okay, stand on the side here. So I stand on the side a couple of minutes, and I'm waiting, and nothing. And I said to him, listen, are they coming? And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't call them yet. Oh, like, my God. And like, Come on, this is, this, is, this is crazy, right? This is really It's like a Woody Allen movie. Oh, wow. So he calls them finally, and a fire engine comes, because very often firemen... They're all EMTs, right. yeah. and they're very often the first on the scene. Yeah. So they pull up on the other side of the street. I walk over, and the guy says to me, oh, who's the patient? And I said, me. He goes, oh, well, climb up on the truck. I am going, really? He goes, nah, we're just fucking with you like that. Like, oh, everyone thought it was a joke. No one took it seriously. And I think, in retrospect, it was because I was very calm. Right. So an ambulance comes. And two guys get out who thinks it's hilarious that both their names are Mike. They go, Hey, I'm Mike. This is Mike. We're gonna take you to the hospital. I'm like, Everybody's a comedian everybody with you. What a the comedian. fuck? Right. <laughs> yeah. Nobody So I get in the ambulance and they start an IV because they do that because like if you're having a heart attack, your veins collapse and they can't get an IV. Right, so right. they start one just to make it safe. But they can't put any medicine in it because right. they're not doctors. But they think they're doctors. So they start doing a medical history and they're asking me. Every question known to me, ridiculous shit. Like, did you ever have an uncle that felt nauseous? (laughs) I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? I'm like, can you drive me to the hospital and ask me the questions on the way? And they're like, no, we have to do it now. So that's when I said, you know, listen, I'm a doctor. I know that you can ask me questions while we're driving. But they they got angry. They wouldn't do it. They said, we have to do it now. So they asked me all these questions, and they finally start driving me to the hospital, and they don't put the siren on. And I'm like, why wouldn't you put a siren on if I'm, if I'm having a heart attack? They're like, well, we're not convinced you're having a heart attack. It turns out the kind of heart attack that I was having does not show on an EKG. Oh there are God. different kind of heart attacks, and mine doesn't show. Uh, d- just my luck, right? So I said, well, why don't you use a siren? And they're like, well, if we use a siren, we have to go through red lights, and it's raining, and it's safer for you if we don't use a siren. <laughs> so how can I argue I'm laying on a stretcher with a thing in my arm so I can't argue while we're driving I feel something squirt on my face I'm like what was that he goes nitroglycerin I said it's supposed to go under my tongue (laughs) not on my cheek He says, well, that's close enough. I'm like, no, it isn't.
0: Oh, my God. It
2: felt like the guy that was driving. I couldn't see because I'm laying like this, and the guy's behind me, and it felt like the guy that was driving turned around and squirted it at me and went on my face. (laughs) So they they finally get me to the hospital.
1: They they did it with a water gun. That's
2: what it felt like. It was on my face, and the guy's like, that's close enough. I'm like, it is not. It has to go under your tongue. So they finally get me to the hospital, and they wheel me out in the rain, and I swear to God, the only thing I'm thinking is my hair is going to be so fucked up. Oh, yeah. Because they're wheeling... They wheel me to the doors, and the doors are supposed to open automatically when you Does get to the emergency. Op- oh, yeah. They won't open. The doors will not open, and they're wheeling me in and out of the rain like I'm a like I'm a credit card in a slot.
0: Yeah, a over, metro card that can't slide, slide, it, slide Please swipe again.
2: And the door won't open. The guy literally had to climb up on the door and open it manually. He goes one way or another. We're getting you in the hospital. I'm like, well, I really hope so. Eventually, right. So they get me in and they had to switch me to a, to a, another hospital bed, like, you know, off the gurney, which was a whole trip with the IV in my arm. And I laid there for nine hours from three in the afternoon till midnight. Luckily. you they
1: doing tests? So was he doing tests?
2: Laying in the emergency room. But Did luckily, you call anybody? Yeah, well, my one of my daughters came, and I called my physician. And it's a good thing I called him from the ambulance because cell phones didn't work in the emergency room. Oh, my God. There was no cell service. If I hadn't let them know, nobody would have known I was there. And luckily, the emergency room doctor started me on a blood thinner. And that's probably what saved my life because right. I didn't get to see a cardiologist till the next day. Oh, my God. They didn't have a room. What
1: hospital were you at? Lennox Hill. Oh, my God. They
2: didn't have a room in the cardiac unit for nine hours. At midnight, they finally took me upstairs and still hadn't seen a cardiologist, but there was one really nice uh, cardiac assistant, and he said to me, if you have pain in the middle of the night, call us, because it looks like you have some kind of a blockage, and we have to do um, a stent. Uh, what, yeah, a stent, but Ang- there's a word for like Angioplasty? Uh, an angioplasty tomorrow morning. But if, but if you have pain in the middle of the night, call us and we'll do it as an emergency. And I'm thinking, fuck that. If yeah. I have pain in the middle of the night, it turned out I had pain in the middle of the night. Uh-huh. But I didn't want, because who knows who's on duty in the middle of the night. It could be a guy with three months experience. I yeah. wanted to wait. They told me in the morning, a specialist comes in who goes into your heart through your arm. Because most of the time they're going through your groin and it's very, it's, it's uncomfortable, yeah. it's painful and it takes a long time to heal. So I said a prayer and I went back to sleep. <laughs> I'm like, I hope I make
1: How'd it. You the sleep? Morning. How'd you sleep? How'd I you sleep?
2: I don't know. I was God. the whole thing was surreal. It felt like I was in a Fellini movie. Who who expects so- to have a heart grossing. attack in the middle of the afternoon? I was in perfect health. I was never sick in my life. So the whole thing didn't even seem. to Is there anything
1: that you could pre- to prevent that, or just the gods?
2: Well, in 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 my particular case, when when the cardiologist finally saw me the next day, she said to me. This looks a lot more serious than we thought. It turns out that I was over 90% blocked in the Gee. major artery to my heart, the one they call the Widowmaker, a yeah.
1: yeah. oh, Widowmaker wow. heart attack. How do you attack. prevent that one?
2: They say you can't prevent what I had because it could— who knows how long I was over 90% blocked. I said, how could I be walking around that blocked without anybody knowing, without me knowing? And they said because it could happen within a few minutes. You start building a plaque when you're a child. And any piece could just break off and block an artery. It could happen within a few minutes. It doesn't mean. Wow. Because yeah. my diet was not particularly horrible, you know. So I've changed, you know. Uh, I'm on like five different meds and blood thinners. Does aspirin
1: bit. help, do you think?
2: A baby aspirin. I take a baby aspirin Because I always day. take
1: aspirin just to make sure. Yeah,
2: a baby aspirin. Right. Not a regular Sometimes aspirin. Sometimes I take cause aspirin. Because that's a lot but of acid. Still, but it still does help your stuff. heart, though. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. It thins your blood, you right. know, and um. that's fine. And the idea is not to eat too much shit, you know? Like, I eat a lot of salads now. That's good, you know. And, wow, that's a know. fascinating. But it's yep. a crazy story. I know you told this story. to me. And well, then, and then I was on stage five days later. Oh,
1: for, I know I saw you. you look great. I'm like, I was
2: at New York Comedy Club. I Bugs, saw you. He looked and great. Emilio, the owner, thank you. He says to me, "What are you nuts? You just had a heart attack." And I said, "Yeah, but it's hard to get a spot
0: here." Ah. "You usually it's
1: a like like fast spot. healing if it's not. They don't have to rip you open. It's pretty. Yeah, it
0: was yeah. Much faster than regular. Well, we got to wrap it up, everybody. I want to thank Jeffrey Gurian for coming in. Thank you. Book is healing. Your heart by changing your mind a spiritual and humorous approach to achieving happiness. It's available on Amazon. He has a very big show on Monday. Uh, at the name of the place is
2: Le Rev at 125 East 54th Street between Park and Lexington Avenue. And I will say, anybody listening to this show. If you mention that you uh, are a listener to this show, you get half price. Aftershock.
0: Aftershock, which a- Steve half, Stacey.
2: It's only $10 cover instead of 20
0: Oh, there you are. Half off anybody well, that comes down for Aftershock.
2: Comes.
1: What's the date on Monday? Right, October 1st. October, 1st. October 1st. 1st. Monday,
2: October 1st, 7.30 p.m., 125 East 54th Street between Lexington and Park. Come on down and say that you're a listener of Aftershock with Steve Grillo and Stacy Pressman. And you'll get in for half price.
0: Stacy and I will both be there. Yep. Anybody wants to come down. Any Stern fans? Julie's going to be there. Everybody. Um, I want to thank Pro Media for having us and uh, giving us this room for our little podcast here. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a commercial at some point for them. If you want to book a podcast, you're going to be able to book your, a book of room here at uh, Pro Media. Stacy, thank, thank you. you very much. It was a very good show, Jeffrey. Come back
1: again, Jeff. Thank, thank, you. thank you
0: anytime. Thanks so much for having me, yeah, guys. It's the... so fun
2: being on with you guys. Thank you. So peace.
1: Fine.
0: Fine. Thanks, Jeff. That, that was, was awesome. great, man. Thank you very much. Why you- <laughs> should you put your heads together, make an ass. Yeah, if you know of anybody that's looking for a podcast studio, let me know. I'm I'll looking.
1: Allow- I I need to talk to them. You mean me. who wants to
2: do a studio out of here? Yeah. yeah.